Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And we're excited to be done with New Moon and back starting Eclipse. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. And I'm staring at Tina when I can see her over your shoulder. <laughs> um, Really, truly, what is good, what is new, because it's been a minute, literally since you and I even talked to each other, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, honestly, like nothing too much crazy new with me in my work life. I embalmed someone by myself pretty much for the first time yesterday. I was really nervous, but I, I cinched, I cinched it. I feel really proud of myself. My supervisor who was with me was really proud of me and like was bragging to everyone and kind of like showing off my work. And that made me feel even better about myself because she's amazing and smart. And I was really nervous because I want to impress her and also I don't want to disappoint her. And she was genuinely really proud. So I'm proud of myself and I'm proud that she got to see that. And yeah, that was really good. Um, On a lighter note for dinner tonight, I got Indian food and I, I got um, one time at the funeral home a couple, it was like a month or two ago, we got Indian food from this place. And the owner really, really likes spicy food. And he ordered his extra hot, extra spicy. And I usually order mine hot. I didn't know that there was an extra spicy. So I ordered it extra hot today. And we're going to see how it goes. I don't really know what I'm in store for. I might... I might explode. I might die. It might be the most delicious thing I've ever had. We'll see. Do you have milk? I do, but, you know, I like a challenge. Okay. I'm just saying, like, as a backup, in case you get desperate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, hell yeah, about the embalming. That's awesome. Um, is there, like, one fun fact about embalming that you can share with the audience? Let me think. Um, because I just can't picture it, you know. I guess one thing that I kind of didn't realize about the process is, you know, basically we replace the blood in the system with chemicals. So in my mind, I kind of just thought it was like you just kind of put the fluid inside of a person, which you do, but it's way more technical and precise than just putting it anywhere you essentially have to raise from inside of someone an artery and a vein very specific like there's only like a few different ones that you can do it for because there's only a few that actually are major and supply the body with a good enough like circulation and um like ones that are big enough to with with withhold and withstand the pressure that you're going to be using and ones that offer ample circulation I guess or like venues to branch out and thus circulate throughout the body so like your femoral artery and vein are really good your um jugular and your carotid artery they're, they're like the major ones basically are the ones that you're supposed to use and it's very technical in finding them in the body and then being gentle enough to expose them 
and then use them for the process. So that's was always, or it was, and still is probably the most challenging part for me is knowing anatomy and being able to locate. And then also once you have located using your technical skills precisely enough to not injure the anatomy that you've uncovered, but still being not even forceful, just using enough pressure and skill that you can still get the outcome that you want. So I guess I guess an interesting thing is that it's a very precise and technical field. And I didn't really realize the amount of anatomical knowledge and technical skill that went into it. That's really interesting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, on Emily's weekly update. <laughs> Let's see. I don't know. I just had a rough holiday season, y'all. My family got stomach flu, so our Christmas was canceled. And then boyfriend of the pod, Jacob, got COVID on my birthday, which is two days after Christmas. So and it's been a slog, but you know what? I think I'm going to have a great January. <laughs> That's what I'm choosing to believe. Um, and it's good to be back with Paige because we were going to hang out for New Year's, and that obviously got shat on. Um and I still have Paige's contacts that she left here on Halloween. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, like, and I don't I'm not blaming you. I I don't want this to sound negative in any way, but I was really pushing my the contacts I was using before because I was like, I know I got I literally had just opened those contacts up that I left at your house. Like they're probably like two or three days old. And I so I had to open another package when I forgot them. So it's like, I know I'm going to see Emily sometime around end of December, um, either for your birthday or for New Year's. So I was like, you know, I, I can wait. I can push these. I can push them. And it was getting my contact wears. No, when you get to the end of their lifespan, it is a rough time. And I was like, like probably like 16 days past, which I usually do because I'm a cheap bitch. Um, but I was like, I know that I have fresh ones waiting and they're, I'm going to get them soon. So I can, I can, I can do it. I can, I can stand against these dry eyes. And then that happened. And I was like, I don't think I can wait any longer. I need new contacts. So I just got new ones like a couple days ago. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I could just overhear like COVID with that TikTok audio. That's like, la, 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 from Oh, didn't you say it's from Nightmare Before Christmas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. kidnap Sandy Claus. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> also, for everyone out there, including you, Paige, you should not be wearing your contacts over time because it can literally cause blindness when you're older. Just saying. Well, you know what else can cause blindness? Diabetes. So I'm kind of already fucked. <laughs> True. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I also used to like, I used to wear mine for like three months. And then I found that out and I was like, yep. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we're here starting a new book. It's crazy. We're on the third book of the Twilight series. You guys didn't know we were covering Twilight. You didn't know that's why we were here. Um, so as we always do at the beginning of every book, we're going to talk about, you know, just some general stuff about the book and Paige's thoughts on it. So first, let's start with the cover. What did you think of this cover? This cover screams tension. It's it's screaming we are on 
the precipice of something big. Literally, I am ripping apart at the seams with the tension, like being pulled one way, being pulled the other way. Which way am I going to choose? I'm being split right open. That's what this cover is giving me. And the red, the the passion behind it, the the romantic elements, but also the like the heat. It it's it has like sensual tension along with almost like. Like when you see red, like when you're angry or like almost like like a bloodlust kind of a thing. Like when I see red, I either think romance or I think like a fury, a fiery sort of energy. So I think it goes both ways with what's going on, especially in this book, with what's kind of been hinting. It's being hinted at in the prologue. Okay, cool. Did you read the quote on the back jacket yet? Um, I didn't read the quote. I did read the little blurb in my, um, uh, I don't know what you call this, the shrug of the book cover. (laughs) Yeah, the little about or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the inside cover first and what you thought about that. So wait, do you want to read the quote first? And then I'll read the one on the back. Okay. Bella, Edward's soft voice came from behind me. I turn to see him spring lightly up the porch steps, his hair windblown from running. He pulled me into his arms at once, just like he had in the parking lot, and kissed me again. This kiss frightened me. There was too much tension. Tension. Too strong, an edge to the way his lips crushed mine, like he was afraid we had only so much time left to us. Damn. And then it goes on to kind of say, like, Something's going on in Seattle, and Bella's torn between two boyfriends that could also kill people, depending on what she chooses. <laughs> so what do you think about this inside jacket? It it kind of has that same feeling that the end of Twilight and the beginning of New Moon had, where you know something bad is a-brewing. To me, it kind of strikes me as, like, Edward is going off to war and <laughs> Bella doesn't know like when like this could be the last time she's seeing him and I, the language is also very aggressive which I don't really care for for an 18 year old girl you know like your boyfriend doesn't need to be crushing you with his kisses to me it just screams like Bella feels like I think that I think this is a common theme with Bella that she thinks that every moment is going to be the last moment with him and that at some point he's going to realize that he doesn't want to be with her and she'll leave or he'll leave her. So it kind of has that energy that she, he's going to go and this could be the last moment they have together, you know? What a terrible way that would be to live too. It's like just always living in fear. It's almost like you have two boyfriends that could kill you. You know what? I'll get into I'll get into Bella's psychology in a little bit, but I'll read this back jacket one. It's short. In the dead silence, all the details suddenly fell into place for me with a burst of intuition. Something Edward didn't want me to know. Something that Jacob wouldn't have kept from me. It was never going to end, was it? This is it. This is where the Loch Ness monster comes into play. I would have thrown the book across the room. As a as a twelve year old or however old I was when I read this, if that happened, it just strikes me as there's like another supernatural presence coming. But to be quite honest, I don't. All I knew about was vampires and werewolves. So it's like, what what other secrets are there? What more is going on in Forks that 
Edward wouldn't tell her about. I'd, maybe it's like a mega wolf. I don't know. <laughs> like um, Deucalion or whatever. Or what is it? Yeah. Not Deucalion. What am I thinking of? Are you thinking of the Alpha? No, I know the Alpha. Isn't there one like that's like a mega Alpha, Alpha of Alphas or something? Is that just Deucalion? I don't. I don't really remember to be quite to be quite honest. Maybe it's like a me- like a mech suit wolf. Like he's made of metal. Interesting. That'd be cool. He w- how would he- yeah he wouldn't be able to like shred anything because he his clothes because he's metal. Or he would I guess I don't know. He also has missiles in his shoulders. Ooh I like that. That's what I'm trying to do at the gym. Get missiles in my shoulders. Okay. So then the epigraph which we googled right before this to make sure we had the right word um so the little quote that stephanie meyer loves to begin a book with this this is actually robert frost i will read it in a reenactment of how bella does it in the movie it's gonna be bad actually don't judge me on this uh this impression folks i'm trying some say the world will end in fire some say in ice from what i've tasted of desire I hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. Those pauses were accurate. You got to give me that. You wouldn't know, Paige, but the listeners would. Now, the moment I read this epigraph, Mm -hmm. um, there was one thing that really came to mind. I think that Stephanie is subtly hinting at a lot of things in this while also loudly shouting other things. And I think what she's loudly shouting is that this book, it's going to have the hot and the cold. It's going to have the yes and the no. It might even have the in and the out. It might have the up and the down. But I really think that we should talk about the wrong and the rights that this book might get at. I mean, it could even tackle the black and whites because I mean, let's just let's just be honest. Bella and Edward fight and they break up. But inevitably, they kiss and they make up. You see what I'm getting at? Listeners DM us and let us know how long it took you to figure out Paige was quoting Katy Perry of all people. I have to say, I practiced that probably 500 times today. <laughs> Proud of you. It was very well delivered. So, mission accomplished. Imagine, point of view, you're my upstairs neighbor <laughs> hearing me say that for the 475th time today. <laughs> She's like, that girl has officially lost it. <laughs> Did you have any, like, thoughts on the autograph? <laughs> other than that really though like it to me it I always thought in the past or in the last book new moon I thought that it was interesting that Jacob was always super hot like like he was feverish in a way and I didn't even make that connection until reading this that Edward is cold he's a cold one he's the cold and Jacob was always super hot and that there is that like elemental clash of what fire and ice in the epigraph but hot and cold you know red and blue heat and 
freeze. I don't I don't know. There's just they're very conflicting elements and feelings. So it would stand that or it would it would make sense that this book is probably going to if we're looking at the first chapter, there's probably going to be heavy competition between Edward and Jacob and just the vampires and the werewolves especially because I mean last book we mostly had werewolf stuff this book the vampires are back the werewolves are also there so it's probably going to be a lot of conflict between the two so it makes sense that this sort of thing would be in the beginning okay okay yeah yeah we've said it before I'll say it again Stephanie is good at her literary references she really has kind of nailed it in the four books that she's done it in. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know about this book yet, but the three books that we've read, she's nailed it. We got Adam and Eve in the first one, Persephone and Hades in the one and a half-ish one, <laughs> and then Romeo and Juliet in the last one. She's nailed it all three times, I feel like, and they've all been actually really astute connections. So I'm sure that this one won't disappoint. Yep, totally. After just giving Stephanie Meyer kudos for her literary references i'm excited to tell you that she was wrong about something else i got really curious about the difference between a preface and a prologue um and i literally just wrote in my notes difference between preface and a prologue but then i didn't write what they were <laughs> so let me just google that real quick all i know is that hers was wrong <laughs> In my mind, an epilogue is something that happens after the story ends. And then the epilogue is like, what happened later? Like an almost a little extra. So in my mind, a prologue would be like before the story starts. Whereas this seems like it's taking place somewhere where we're going to in the story. Like it's like something that's happening in the future. So if does that make sense? Yes, you're also wrong. <laughs> Damn it! Um, okay, so this is a prologue, even though it says preface on it, because a preface is an introduction that's not the story. It's like the author talking about the story. Could a preface also be like if a different writer makes like comments about the author or what the book is or something like that i think that's called a forward oh you're right you're right but similar to a preface yeah and then a prologue is an introduction that sets the scene for the story therefore this i'm trying to think i feel like okay since we already talked about nightmare before christmas i'm wondering if the beginning of nightmare before christmas could be considered prologue because it's sort of the narrator saying like like long ago there was this this land and this and kind of like a short description and this is where our story is going to begin and then it like jumps into the movie so I wonder if that could be considered one a prologue yeah I think so yeah as an example okay yeah good example it was a callback Mm-hmm. I can't think of one literary-wise because I just can't. <laughs> I have Swiss cheese for brains. <laughs> I literally, this morning, my Snapchat was being kind of wacky. So I was like, oh, let me, like, 
exit out of the app and close the app and then restart it. And I tried like what my brain was like the muscle memory of what I was supposed to do. And it wasn't working like it was doing something else on my phone. And so I did it like three or four times and it kept doing the wrong thing. And I was like, did I forget how to do this very easy, short task on my phone? Like, is my brain malfunctioning right now? So I had to Google it, but I was doing it right. My phone was just being wacky kooky. So for a brief moment, I was like, my memory is fading away. I do not remember the two button shortcut to doing this. I'm... I'm gonzo. That's like a scary feeling, isn't it? I know. I was I was really worried for about 15 seconds, but then it ended up being fine. My phone was just, it was, that was the issue. I'm glad that your memory's not fading away yet. But I feel like mine is. I don't remember high school and I like it that way. Yeah, that might just be a response to trauma. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, so the preface. Um, it's short enough that I'll just read it real quick. All our attempts at subterfuge had been in vain. With ice in my heart, I watched him prepare to defend me. His intense concentration be betrayed no hint of doubt, though he was outnumbered. I knew that we could expect no help. At this moment, his family was fighting for their lives just as surely as he was for ours. Would I ever learn the outcome of that other fight? Find out who the winners and the losers were? Would I live long enough for that? The odds of that didn't look so great. Black eyes, wild with their fierce craving for my death, watched for the moment when my protector's attention would be diverted, the moment when I would surely die. Somewhere, far, far away in the cold forest, a wolf howled. What do you think's going on here? To me, this is a fight with... I, I'm picturing that this is a fight with Victoria, or at least whatever the villain is going to be. I'm thinking it's going to be Victoria. I don't know for certain. In my mind, she's gathered maybe some allies on her side to take on the Cullen family because obviously there's a lot of them, so she needs some help. Um, in this moment, I feel like it's just Edward and Bella. The fact that the wolf is kind of put off to the side in the woods, to me, kind of shows that Jacob is not with them. The wolves are not fighting on their behalf. They're not on their side. So they are alone in this. It is just Edward and Bella. And they're probably outnumbered right now. And Bella is like, we about to probably die. And that's where it ends. All right. I like it. Okay. So right after it ends like that, it picks up in an interesting way with a note from Jacob. I had to laugh at his handwriting. It's just not what I would picture. And also, it's so petty, like, just all the things that he wrote and crossed out. Why would you not get new paper? Because he wanted to say those things. He just, you know, like, yeah. he just wanted to, like, hurt her feelings more, probably. I guess that's fair. But, like, for example, I was writing a note on a sticky note for one of my coworkers at the funeral home yesterday, and I misspelled the word refrigeration, and I had to throw the whole sticky note away. I was like, this is too embarrassing. They can't see. So I just had to restart the whole thing. Um, so the fact that he just left it, maybe he's eco-friendly, or maybe he's just petty. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know why, but you just conjured a memory of from high school that was buried, like most of my high school memories. And... 
it was an A push, and I was writing, I think it was an FRQ. I don't re- fucking remember. But you remember how we got to, like, pick, like, two out of three to do or whatever? Mm-hmm. I had picked one and then written, like, half a page on it and then realized I didn't actually know <laughs> what I was fucking saying. So I literally just sat there and erased it all with a giant eraser and then did it over, like, a different one over. Dark times. This is not similar at all, but when you said I have a recovered memory from what you just said, I I wouldn't call this a recovered memory. I actually think about this, I don't want to say often, but it's not a forgotten memory. I will just leave it at that. I don't know if you remember this, because it's me and you. They're the only two people involved in this story. In sixth grade, <laughs> we had this assignment where we had to write three unknown facts about ourselves and then uh, the paper got like pinned to the board outside the classroom and one of the facts that I wrote was I am an eco warrior and you read it while we were standing in line or something and you were like Paige I didn't know that you were really into the environment and I was like yeah I totally am but really I had just, my mom had just bought me a shirt from JCPenney's that said reduce, reuse, recycle. And I was like, this is my identity now. And that was it. That was the whole thing. And I remember thinking, am I, am I lying? Am I being shady about this? And I was like, Emily believes it. So it's real. This is, this is me now. Uh, This is the real me. (laughs) And I think about it all the time. Paige, I have literally no memory of that at all. Well, now you do. (laughs) Well, I absolve you of your guilt. You can be an eco-warrior if you want to be. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I forgot to ask, what do you think of this first chapter? Um, I'm, I feel like, I don't, I feel super conflicted about a lot of things. I want to say I'm super proud of Bella for getting into colleges, but did she get, did she get into colleges? Did she apply herself? I don't, like, she doesn't even want to go to, like, the only college it seems like she wants to go to is this Alaska college. I don't even know if she actually applied herself. I don't know. And the amount of bribery that's going on with all of this makes me feel jaded about it all, because... Obviously, this is all fictional, but what about all those people who were qualified but didn't have money and couldn't get in? And also, is it's I it, I don't even know is it plagiarism or not? It's not plagiarism, but like fraud, filling out applications that's not yours. I don't know. So that made me feel a bunch of ways. I want Bella to go to college and I want her to get an education, but not like this. And not because you're being forced to. I I don't know. I just felt really weird about that. Um, and then the whole thing with Charlie, I really support the stance that he's going for here. I really support him wanting her to have, to kind of branch out and make her roots with other people and not just kind of put all of her eggs in one basket with Edward. Since he kind of saw what happened the last time that that happened and he wants her to, you know, like have friends and, you know, live a a fun life outside of her boyfriend and, you know, kind of like be her own person and find her own interests. 
poor man does not know what he's really asking her to do though I do I did have some like secondhand embarrassment about that because like I I support him and I stand by him but also also at the same time I'm like Jacob doesn't want to hang out with her like this is going to be awkward for everyone Charlie and also even though he doesn't know the backstory what he does know is that he probably had a feeling that Jacob had a crush on Bella. Maybe he thought that Bella reciprocated it. I think he acknowledged and knew that there was probably some level of attraction in that friendship. And while maybe he wasn't like super for it, given how Bella's last relationship went, you know, the Blacks are family friends and he knows Jacob's a really good kid. And, you know, it wouldn't be horrible but he also knows that Bella is in a long committed relationship with Edward and he is literally asking her, the two of them to hang out with Jacob. It's just like, how is this going to work out? This doesn't seem like it's going to be fun for anyone. I don't know. I don't know why Charlie thought this was a good idea. I don't know. I'm like, I know you're trying, Charlie, but it's I'm embarrassed. Okay, I kind of think Charlie's like gunning for Jacob a little bit. I kind of think he's like, because there's that one line, there's one line where Charlie's like, oh, Edward doesn't, doesn't Edward need a little healthy competition? Like, I low-key think like he's kind of hoping that Jacob like will beat Edward out or something. I could definitely see that. I just don't, if, you, if your end goal is for your daughter to be happy and in a healthy relationship, I don't know if having two men to basically children I don't know if I would consider Edward a child but what you think are two children fight over her and like at like I don't it just seems like it would be a point of conflict yeah also for the record I went on the record that I would consider Edward a child <laughs> a youth Okay, so before we start going over the plot, I do want to just address one thing. Um, this is like a major thing in the fandom. Everyone has talked about it. But it bears repeating. Um, the level at which Bella is okay and functioning like a normal human is not okay. Extremely unrealistic. Just two thumbs down from me like she literally was like ha suffered from a severe mental illness and now it's just like sunshine and rainbows with no repercussions like someone I will never be able to find it because I saw it forever ago but someone on Tumblr posted this thing where they were like it would have been way more interesting to watch and we kind of talked Paige we kind of talked about this at the end of the last book but they were just saying like it'd be way more interesting to watch Bella kind of like learn how to trust again and maybe she wouldn't want to get back with Edward and I mean obviously that's never where this story was going because Stephanie didn't want it to but it's just frustrating to me the just total erasure and it makes it it like cheapens it a little bit for me it makes Bella's mental illness seem like not a big deal when it, it was and I feel like that's not good for readers who may be experiencing similar things I 100% agree and I will add on not only the issue with mental illness, but 
in Twilight, she suffered a major physical illness. She was in the hospital really, really injured after what happened with her and James. And that comes with its own level of recovery. And I I guess that is also a mental thing that you have to get over as well. Not only getting well physically, but also mentally from that. And I guess when I saw her be kind of completely fine after that, I mean, we talked about that after it happened in Twilight, that she just was completely fine talking to Renee and she wasn't having really any issues with that. She almost just fucking died and this and that. I guess my brain completely suspended all belief that she was ever going to act realistically with that kind of thing. So I get what you're saying and I 100% agree. And I think that it would have definitely benefited a lot of people to show it's okay to feel like you can't trust someone after they do something like that. And it's okay to have your own mental illness that you deal with, but you also have that as your responsibility to take care of. And yeah, I guess it would have been great to see that, but I've already kind of written off that that's never going to happen. Like I already like I've already accepted that that's not going to be a thing in this series. So in my mind, I'm not surprised, but I do feel it would have been great. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um I finished watching mid- this show I was talking about Midnight Mass with Remy on Netflix, friend of the pod Remy. And when we finished it, she was like, I only have one word to describe that show. Irresponsible. And that's how I feel about this. Irresponsible. But as always with shitty stuff in these books, we got to put it aside and go over what happened in this chapter. <laughs> so what we were alluding to like 20 minutes ago before we like went off on a couple tangents was that Jacob had written Bella a note that he passed. Well, he basically replied to a note that Bella had passed through Charlie and Billy to him. And he's basically just saying like, I'm not going to hang out with you. You're dating a vampire. I, we can't be friends basically. Yeah. And as Bella is pouring over this note, she senses something awry in the kitchen and so she goes down to see that charlie is trying to make dinner and has totally shat on it how has this man made it this far he's microwaving metal how i also really like pasta literally has the simplest instructions that they print on the side of the box it's right there you and it you don't have to go out of your way to know how to do it. They give it to you. It's right there. It's literally three steps. It's like boil water, put pasta in water and stir for this amount of time. Strain, eat. I like the metal thing. Now I'm not, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I definitely agree that it's common sense. Not to drag my sister, but I will offer this story in response. So, you know, those microwavable mac and cheese things, the like individual size. So when my sister and I'm going to say she was like a freshman or sophomore in high school. So old enough to fucking know. Um, My mom was in the bedroom and heard like a kind of sound. And she came downstairs and my sister was like, like wide eyed and 
looking kind of frantic and she was like I was just microwaving something and it started sparking and my mom was like what were you microwaving and she was like I don't know it was a macaroni and cheese thing and my mom came down and my sister had left the metal spoon in the pot like she had stirred it and then left the spoon in it to microwave it so my mom was like well you forgot to take the spoon out that's why and my sister was like you have to take the spoon out and I was like yeah you don't do that and my sister is like I've never once done that when I've cooked these I always leave it in which means she's she had been doing that for years now and I will offer if you don't know if no one ever told you that you can't microwave metal, you might not realize it. And she's the youngest, she's the baby, so everyone always cooked for her. So I can kind of suspend my belief that she didn't know. But a 50 plus year old man or a 40 plus year old man, you've never heard that, never once in your life. I find that a little hard to believe, but maybe it's plausible given my sister's story fair that's hilarious about your sister i just i picture him in the police station and this man before bella got there never cooks and so he probably just had like tv dinners all the time i don't know it's just weird that it never came up but whatever the whole point of bella of him doing that was that he wanted to talk to bella about ungrounding her i mean we basically already talked about it so that she can go see her other friends um I do like when he has that one one liner that's like, when's the last time you saw Angela Weber? Because I was like, ooh, burn. And then Bella says, in class. Also, I thought it was really fucking stupid. This is going to surprise you, not. On page six, where Bella's like mad that she, in her exposition to the reader, she calls Edward her boyfriend. And then she's like, I just, it's not the right word. What? What else are you gonna call it? Words like what the fuck does it say? Words like Paige doesn't even want me to read it. I'm not gonna read it. I when okay when that paragraph started, it starts off as, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my voice to show where it's literally italicized in in the writing. Okay, the word boyfriend had me chewing on the inside of my cheek with a familiar tension while I stirred. In my mind, I jokingly said, oh yeah, no, he's your destiny. That's how you ended the last book. It goes on to say, but words like destiny and fate sounded hokey when you use them in casual conversation. Yes, I agree, Bella, but you're the one who used them. So I don't know why we're even bringing it up. I hate it so much. Imagine if you like hadn't seen a friend in, in a couple months or whatever, you agree to get coffee and there's a guy there with her or a girl or whatever. And she's like, hey, Paige, this is my destiny, Michael. Like, what the fuck would you say? I'm going to go a step further and think about any of the guys that you were remotely involved with in high school and describing them as your destiny. I'm going to pull vault into the sun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, also, 
on page eight, just while we're dragging this relationship. You know, it's my favorite hobby. Bella is saying that she gets so restless when she's away from Edward. And I just want to say, in case there's literally any 12-year-olds listening to this, that is unhealthy. <laughs> unhealthy. you got to be able to spend time on your own and be happy with it. We have said it a million times. I'm fucking sick of saying it. There's nothing wrong with missing your significant other when you don't see them. And I I feel like maybe if you haven't seen them in a really long time, you might feel restless. You know, oh my gosh. You know, when I, when Danny and I were in a long distance relationship, I would feel that way when I hadn't seen him. Girl, you saw him three hours ago. You were at school together literally hours ago. You, I promise you, you can make it a day. I promise you. Not even a day. You can make it a couple hours. I, it will be okay. Paige and I are just going to drop an album that's called Broken Record, and it's just going to be us saying this shit over and over. It'll also okay. include me saying Stephanie Myers over and over again. <laughs> As like a backbeat. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so they sit down to dinner, they have that whole conversation that we already talked about. I did want to say, page 12, (laughs) Bella tells him to get to the point, and he fucking does. He says, I don't think you should dump all your other friends for your boyfriend, Bella. It's not nice, and I think your life would be better balanced if you kept some other people in it. What happened last, last September? Well, if you'd had more of a life outside of Edward Cullen, it might not have been like that. I literally wrote, Charlie is spilling. <laughs> I know I've I know that I've I will always quote that puppet monkey gif, but it really does have me like wide mouth, wide eyed, yeah. looking away from the camera. <laughs> and literally my next note is also about him being right about a s- totally separate subject. He's pushing Jake like Bella to hang out with Jacob. We already talked about that. Then he, like, forces the um, letter from University of Alaska Southeast onto Bella because he already opened it and he knows that she got accepted and he's excited. I think it's cute. What I was going to say is, page 16, he is basically just talking to her about college tuition. And he says, you know, some of these places are pretty pricey. I want to help. You don't have to go all the way to Alaska just because it's cheaper. Blah, blah, blah. They're talking about loans. Have you seen that TikTok audio that's, like, a person doing something and then they kind of like zooms out and then it's also them like their quote-unquote younger self like slamming on the door is like no no yes yes this is me right now I'm like Bella as someone who graduated college with ninety thousand dollars of student debt listen to him I mean I know she's like not really planning on college but just just listen don't ever say There's lots of financial aid out there. It's easy to get loans. Yeah, it's easy to get loans because then they turn around and charge you a 5% interest rate on them. Um, You're 100% right. I have been putting, not to put my problems onto everyone else, but I've been putting all of my tuition on my credit card. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that my interest rate is more than 5%. And yeah, I still have one semester to go and it's go it's going bad. It's going bad. So <laughs> yeah, so and also the best part is is that if there is um student debt relief, I don't think it will apply to me because I put it on my credit card. 
I didn't like get alone. But we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about that. I'm, you know, I'm hopefully going to be getting a new full-time job sometime this year. You know, I, once I'm not paying for school anymore, the only thing I'll have to pay is that and rent and, you know, whatever. Maybe I'll hit the lotto. Maybe the scratchy tickets will work. Maybe they'll make insulin free. Who knows? I mean, if it makes you feel better, I don't think we're ever getting student loan forgiveness because politicians don't care about us, so. That makes me feel a lot better. Thank you. <laughs> so you're definitely right with with that. I 100% agree with the, with the TikTok audio thing. I will say, though, Bella doesn't give a fuck because the Collins are just going to fucking pay for it. Money is no object to her right now because she knows they will literally pay for it. So, like, why should she fucking care? Because she's in the 1% right now. You know, that's a good point. But I just cannot imagine being Bella and being like, yeah, pay for my tuition. I know Meg the Stallion's always saying, like, pay my tuition just to kiss me on this wet ass pussy but first of all meg put herself through college so let's just fucking acknowledge that i just i can't imagine letting someone pay for me to go to dartmouth is it dartmouth i don't even know i'm not ivy league enough dartmouth dartmouth yeah uh, whatever kiss please. my ass the only reason i know that dartmouth is pronounced dartmouth is because i had a huge fucking crush on in high school and he went to Dartmouth and yeah I was like I know that place okay anyways so while they're talking about this Edward shows up Bella has her whole male model moment blah 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 don't give a fuck and then Charlie's there being crabby which I love but Edward has showed up with college applications for um Bella to fill out and then Charlie asks Edward where he's thinking of going. And he says that he's been accepted at Syracuse, Harvard, Dartmouth, and the University of South Alaska Southeast. And so Charlie, being Charlie, is like, well, it'd be lame to go to the University of Alaska if you'd gone to Ivy League. Like, mm, you better go Ivy League or whatever the fuck. It's very funny. Not to derail the conversation, but this part was so, like, why was Charlie not more fucking sus about this? Like. How random of a college is this? What What is the exact name of it? University of Alaska Southeast? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. How many University of Alaskas are there? Alaska is huge. I'm, I'm picturing there's probably a few University of Alaska blank location, you know? Um, and to have your daughter and her boyfriend get into the same random state college. Why was he not more sus about that? I mean, I feel like he knew that they both applied there. Also on the same day though, like Edward decided it would be a good idea to bring it up on the exact same day that Bella got her application. Like I just, I'm suspicious about it because I know that Edward knows because he read Charlie's mind and like knows that that's what's going on. I just like, it would be like shady to me in a way like, oh, wow, that's super random. Bella got accepted today as well. Like, what are the odds? I don't know. It just, it just struck me as suspicious. 
Yeah, when you put it that way, same. <laughs> but that's super random and also not important. I think everything you say is important. So then Edward, quote unquote, finds out that Bella's no longer grounded. And he kind of in passing mentions that Alice wants to go shopping in a big city. And so then Charlie brings up what's going on in Seattle, which he had referenced earlier on in his and Bella's conversation. Um, he says, there's some kind of gang on a killing spree in Seattle, and I want you to steer clear. And Edward agrees. So then Charlie leaves the room. Oh, we'll get back to Seattle here in a second when it, it, it gets brought back up. But first, Edward and Bella start working on these college applications. And Bella's kind of throwing a fit because she's like, I would never get into Dartmouth. Like, you're obviously, like, going to bribe them for that to get in. Like, that's gross. It's, I do like kind of like that she is pushing back a little bit. I don't think it's hard enough. But then she goes on to say, you know, like, this is all pointless anyways. We can just say that we're going to Alaska, pay the first semester, and then, like, I'm going to be a vampire, so who fucking cares? So, of course, they have literally their, like, what, 10th iteration of this argument about how Bella's not in danger. She doesn't need to become a vampire. Um, I won't let anyone hurt you. You're going to become a monster, blah, blah, blah. And in the context of this conversation, he... Edward brings up the crime in Seattle. And so he tells Bella that a vampire is doing this because um, it's all the signs, he says. Um, okay, I'm just going to read this part. Um, I'm on the bottom of page 25. You'd be surprised, Bella, at how often my kind are the source behind the horrors in your human news. It's easy to recognize when you know what to look for. The information here indicates a newborn vampire is loose in Seattle. Bloodthirsty, wild, out of control, the way we all were. We've been monitoring the situation for a few weeks. All the signs are there. The unlikely disappearances, always in the night, the poorly disposed of corpses, the lack of other evidence. Yes, someone brand new. And no one seems to be taking responsibility for the neophyte. First of all, who the fuck uses words like that? But anyways. Well, it's not our problem. We wouldn't even pay attention to the situation if it wasn't going on so close to home. So, okay, I gotta know what you think is going on with this whole Seattle thing, because now two characters have brought it up. When, so when I, when it first got brought up, when Charlie was reading the newspaper or whatever, I kind of didn't really think anything of it. I thought it was kind of just details, because side note, Washington in general has been home to many a serial killer. So could they be vampires? Who's to say? Um, in real life, like real life serial killers have lived in Washington, like a lot of them. Um, but back to Twilight. So I didn't really like think too much of it. But then when Edward brings this up and now a second person has brought it up and put more emphasis on it. This is definitely going to be relevant, whether this person be good or bad. I'm not sure. but. This is going to be this is going to be something that we further get into, whether this be something that the werewolves have to take action on or if the Cullens are going to maybe like invite this person into the family. This could also be a Victoria thing. I don't know. This could be like part of the the um the conflict of everything. This could maybe maybe Victoria is changing someone for her team. I don't know. 
I don't even know if it's Victoria. I think it is, but I don't really know. Um, but clearly this is going to be um, something, a main point that is definitely going to be addressed and talked about further into this book. Okay. Okay. So you don't have any like winning theories right now. I mean, the fact that they've murdered so many people already kind of paints them in a negative light in my mind. So I feel like I'm leaning more towards them being bad, but I also don't want to write off that in totality because, you know, when Edward first got changed and even when Carlisle first got changed, they both talked about how really difficult it was and how they had to seclude themselves and that it was just a very difficult time. And um, uh, Jasper as well really, really struggled for a long time as a newbie. So, you know, I don't want to completely say, oh, they're a bad person because they just got changed and they're killing people. Obviously, murder is bad, but maybe there's a chance this person could be on the Cullen side. In my mind, because of the way that the language is phrased and how it's just been kind of talking about a murder spree, I've kind of already associated them negatively. So I, I, in my mind, I kind of view them as a antagonist. But if they turn out to maybe be on the side of good, I could see it. But I would lean more towards antagonist. Okay. Okay, cool. So on the heels of that conversation, Edward kind of tries to like, change the subject and and you know like lighten the mood or whatever and he's saying you know like Alaska has lots of great things to hunt um grizzlies and then he says polar bears and the wolves get quite large I'm sorry there's no way you like misspoke you didn't think about it (laughs) that was so deliberate I'm so fucking dead that was so inappropriate petty Petty with a capital P. 100%. I recently was at the gym and I discovered on this gym playlist that I was listening to the song Petty by Baby Tate. And it's a fucking great ass song. But it opens up with, who's the pettiest person you know? Think about it. It's a man, isn't it? (laughs) It just made me think of that. It is a man. (laughs) Also, I'm fairly petty as well. You're You're not that level of petty. Oh, no, I'm not that level of petty. But I do, like, if Danny goes to, uh, like, King Supers to pick up groceries and he doesn't, like, get me, like, an Arizona iced tea, I I am upset a little bit. (laughs) I think that's your prerogative. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then Edward and Bella have a brief conversation about the book Wuthering Heights. Have you read that? No. I tried to read it back in the day when I was reading these books because I was like, I need to understand what they're talking about. And I legitimately cannot remember if I finished it or not. I don't know if I got through it. I remember it being horrid. I've already expressed my feelings on that era of British literature and how I don't fucking like it. So I vaguely remember some things about it, but not much. Yeah, it doesn't that I agree that era of literature is not my favorite to read. So I don't think I could see myself reading it ever, but maybe I will, but I'm going to lean on the side of no, I will not. 
I wouldn't recommend it if, if that sways you at all. Here's the thing. Everyone puts all this emphasis on the classics, and I'm like, there's better books than some of the classics. Like, the literature that's coming out now, okay, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. Perks of Being a Wallflower exceeds here I am trying to think of a classic. Um, I don't know. I would say Perks of Being a Wallflower is more important to read as a youth than Romeo and Juliet is. I'm just going to say it. She's spilled, ladies and gentlemen. Some of the classics are definitely good and a worthwhile read, but there's so much emphasis on like, oh, you haven't read Of Mice and Men? Oh, you haven't read um, Moby Dick? Like, wow. You don't know true literature. Like, there there are other good books. Some of them aren't that great. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Of Mice and Men is a great fucking book. But I know it's just an example. I, I actually love John Steinbeck. He's one of my favorite authors of all time. Also, he is a DILF. I, I, actually, I don't think he's a dad. He is really hot. Just Google John Steinbeck. He is a zaddy. I agree. I agree. Um, completely off subject, but, okay, so I'm in my room, you know, and all the rest of the lights in my house are off, or in my apartment, and Mila is just sitting, like, down the hallway, kind of, staring at me, but it's dark, so there's just two glittering orbs. <laughs> it's very creepy. X-Files theme song starts playing. Really, though? It's like, if I turn up dead, you know who did it. Okay, so they have a debate about the two main characters... Eh, nobody fucking cares. Uh, if you like that book, sorry. It's just not my cup of tea. And that's the thing about culture. Not everyone's going to like all the same things. Precisely. So then Jacob gets brought up. And once again, they have this argument again, too. I don't know. They had this kind of thing at the end of the last book, I think, right? Where Edward is just saying, like, Jacob's dangerous. But now he's really, like, kind of drawing a line in the sand. He's saying, you know, I don't want you to spend time around him, like... It's not safe for you, which is kind of ludicrous because Bella spent like every waking hour with him while Edward was gone. But yeah, and Edward, or sorry, not Edward. Ugh. Um, Jacob really did Bella a lot of good. So, I mean, Edward conceded this at the end of the last book and thanked him for all the help he gave. So he knows that he, Jacob, does offer some good for Bella. Right, right. It's very annoying. And Bella's basically not, she's not considering it. She's just like, well, I'm going to see him. Not my problem. Like, your opinion is not my problem. So I guess we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> um, Edward also brings up the treaty because he was with Carlisle back the last time. And so I guess I have a little bit of a corrections corner but, like, not really. Oh, my God. Now Malcolm's sitting literally right next to Mila, and there's four glowing orbs. <laughs> Anyways, we had discussed that the idea, which I thought was canon, that the Cullens knew that they were creating werewolves with their presence because, you know, just them being there caused the Quileutes to turn into wolves when they, like, hit puberty or whatever it was. Edward here is suggesting that they didn't know. I find it hard to believe that Carlisle didn't know. I just feel like if they truly didn't know, it was it was like willful ignorance. You know what I mean? Like they were like, 
oh, that's weird. The genetics must have changed between generations. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It also doesn't make sense because we know from, I think, Midnight Sun that Carlisle called um, Billy when they came back to tell him, Mm -hmm. hey, we're coming back, just so you know. If it really wasn't a thing, like, that really Carlisle didn't know, they could have just hid out in the woods somewhere. They know that, like, I mean, I don't, it doesn't really seem like any, at least that has been revealed, that any of the kids from the reservation go to this high school. It's possible they do, but it's not been talked about. Um, They could have just hid out in the woods, gone to their high school and not said anything and not bothered the werewolves, thinking that that solved the problem. The fact that Carlisle went out of his way to tell Billy and inform them, hey, we're back in town, just so you know, treaty's still on, just leads me to think that they did have some knowledge, that at least Carlisle knew that them being there was going to have some kind of effect. I agree. I agree 100%. Maybe Edward didn't know. He Like, he genuinely didn't know. But I agree with you. I think it's hard to believe that Carlisle didn't know. Yeah. I do too. I mean, I you know that I do because I just said it, but <laughs> um Edward is just callous throughout this whole thing. First of all, he like jokingly blames the werewolves being created on Bella, even though like th- at this point they haven't discussed the theory, but that's fucking rude. And he calls it a theory when Bella's like they're werewolves because of you. It's not a coincidence. He says Carlisle will be interested in that theory. Like, it doesn't really matter. This all culminates in the fact that on page 32, he says, interesting, but not exactly relevant. The situation remains the same. So great how you can just be like, not relevant to me. Not my problem. Oh, people's lives are getting, like, totally upended. Not my problem. Yeah, like, if you genuinely didn't know, wouldn't you want to further maybe look into that? And maybe act on it. Even even if you weren't planning on acting on it, maybe look into it a little bit more. Maybe find out more information about what's going on. I don't know. Just the fact that you can write it off shows that you have privilege and it's not negatively affecting you. Exactly. That is the definition definition of privilege. This whole thing that Edward's doing. Mm-hmm. So they go on to kind of fight a little bit more about Jacob. You know, Bella says, like, it's not like I'm just dropping in on an old friend. Like, he really needs me right now. He was there for me when you weren't here. I owe him better. And Edward says, you know, first of all, he calls Jacob a racial slur. He says dog, which Paige and I have discussed before. Horrible. And, you know, he says, I'm not putting you at risk by letting you go see him letting I mean he never says letting but that's like what it is and I'm just saying like girls if your partner ever quote-unquote has to let you do something dump them and not just girls anyone and if anyone's partner is barring you or well if your partner is barring you from seeing someone because of their own this or that 
honestly, I would say just put them, don't even put them in the recycling, put them in the trash can. They don't deserve to be reused and re, wait, renewed, wait, reuse, renew. They don't deserve to be reused or renewed. Sorry, I had to do the math there. That's okay. I mean, yes, I agree. I think there's sometimes some mitigating circumstances, you know, when there are people who are, you know, like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Like, just have a history of, like, abuse or or substance use that's, you know, in some way threatening. You know, that's, like, a whole different situation. But in general, you should be allowed to see who you want to see and spend time with who you want to spend time with. Absolutely. 100%. Also, I want to put it out there. I know it's reduce, reuse, not renew, reuse. I just want to make that clear. I didn't even notice. (laughs) I'm an eco-warrior, so I should know this. Yeah, it's your whole identity. (laughs) Okay. So, like I said, they don't really reach a conclusion in this. The chapter just kind of ends with them just, you know, not agreeing. And the last little section says... I could feel Jacob's note in my pocket like it suddenly weighed 10 pounds. I could hear the words in his voice, and he seemed to be agreeing with Edward, something that would never happen in reality. Doesn't change anything. Sorry. Did you have anything from that chapter we didn't cover? I did. It is... It's mostly just gross, and I like I didn't want to talk about it, and we, we skipped over the section, so I was like, mm, I don't need to bring it up. But... I do want to say this part really grossed me out. Um, it It's when Edward shows up um, to the Swan's house. And there was no need for this. I We've talked about this before. If you're in the third book, you already know what's going on. You're not starting here. There's no need to describe it. But I want you to picture this, okay? You are Charlie. You're not necessarily like standing right there watching, but you're kind you're you're in the living room kind of paying attention, okay? And this shit happens. Hey, I smiled a little at my anticlimactic greeting. He raised our interlaced fingers, he being Edward. He raised our interlaced fingers to brush my cheek with the back of his hand. How was your afternoon? Slow. For me as well. He pulled my wrist up to his face, our hands still twisted together. His eyes closed as his nose skimmed along the skin there, and he smiled gently without opening them, enjoying the bouquet while resisting the wine, as he once put it. And then she goes on to describe that her blood smells amazing. Imagine you're watching out of the corner of your eye your daughter and her high school boyfriend, and he's just smelling her wrist in the doorway like upon greeting her like hey what's up how was your afternoon oh it was slow me too like that's so weird bye <laughs> it took everything i had to not laugh and like cut out make your audio cut out because it's so funny i think i just subconsciously skipped over that because i was like i don't have time for this i'm taking it all in so i'll let you know when it's happening okay thank you I, yeah what it really comes down to for me is, is like, 
this paragraph wasn't even necessary because we already know about your blood and Edward. We don't need to hear about it again. Like, and that was my point too, is that we're in the third book. We already know this part could have been completely left out and it would have been fine, but you you left it in to describe it for the newbies question mark. I don't know. I hate it so much. Um, did you have anything else? No, that was it. Okay. So next week we're reading chapter two, which is called Evasion. Sounds like some Jacob action. I mean, he's already been pretty evasive with the notes that, or the note that he left for Billy, for Charlie, for Bella. Um, so I feel like maybe Bella is going to put more of an effort in to see him. And he's going to be kind of evasive about the whole thing. Like maybe they'll, maybe they'll see each other, but he's not going to be receptive to her. He's not going to want to talk to her. And I mean, she's just trying to do what Charlie asked her to do. So she's going to keep trying. And I feel like there's definitely going to be some pushback from his end. Okay, cool. How do you think she's going to like convince Edward to let her go see him? I could see Bella just doing it. I don't know. I I could see her just going out of her way. Or maybe like, well, no, they go to school together. I don't know. I could I kind of see Bella being a little rebellious at this point and just going, like on a weekend or something. Love it. Well, won't Alice be able to see though? Well, I guess Alice probably doesn't care. Yeah, I bet Alice could I bet Alice may hmm. Maybe Alice will try and do something about it. I don't know. I, I could see Alice not really caring, but she was kind of anti the werewolves as well. Hmm. I mean, maybe Bella is just so divisive and forward that she's able to get her way. I don't know. I like the idea that Bella does what she wants to do. I, I like that narrative in my head that she doesn't listen to Edward and does what she wants to do anyways. So you're asking really valid questions and questions that should have good answers, but I don't have them because I want it to work out the way that I want it to. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I just, you know, you know, I like to get some thoughts, some predictions out of you. It's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Paige and I just today got a fat payout from um, Patreon that was $8.60 a piece. So turn the fuck up. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you so much to our patrons. We literally love and adore you. (laughs) If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, that is going to be at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. Paige and I need to hammer out some possible dates for a Netflix party for New Moon. But once we do that, I'll put them up on a poll like I did last time and y'all can vote on them. So stay tuned. Angela, please let us know what time zone you're in because we'll try and work with it. So you're not sleepy this time. Yes. Yes, that would be, yes, much better. Thank you, Paige, for that. <laughs> um, I'm just going to go over our socials really quick. But before I do that, a brand new thing on Spotify is ratings. They are now allowing like ra- podcast ratings on Spotify. You don't even have to do a review like you would on Apple Podcasts. You can just, lit- it's like one click on our page on Spotify. So if you're a Spotify listener, please give us a review. 
Um, shout out to Hannah. She sent us a screenshot that she did that earlier today. So hell yeah. Thank you, Hannah. That is so nice and amazing. All right. Our social medias. You can find us on Tumblr and Instagram at Tuesdays are for Twilight. You can find us on Twitter at Taft Pod. You can email us at Tuesdays are for Twilight at gmail.com. And also, we always encourage you to support the Quilly tribe and their efforts to move their cultural lands to safer space. You can find all that info at mthg.org. Paige, what do you got for us? Guys, it's a new year. It doesn't mean that it has to be a new you. You know, if you want to be the old you, you do that. But I think that you should scream and shout and let it all out. And, you know, don't be afraid to let your freak flag fly. You know, be be the you that is a small seed inside of you about to flourish into a beautiful plant into the sunlight. That went in so many different directions. I was so confused. <laughs> I just tried to hit all my, you know, hit everything. Yeah, totally. It's very motivational. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see y'all next week for chapter two of Eclipse. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>